Hello, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. Experts are trying to parse some data that shows a dramatic decline in the number of trips Americans are taking on foot. Axios and some other news outlets reported on some findings from Streetlight Data, which is a firm that tracks these things. And today I'm going to talk to someone who is the director of content there and will explain the methodology they use and basically how they come up with the numbers that they do and talk about these trends with people walking less, why that's troubling and how it relates to the pandemic and how lots of habits have changed since then. Once again, I'm with Emily Adler of Streetlight Data and they have a report just last week, as a matter of fact, that shows that uh, we're not walking as much as a nation, or as Axios put it, putting one foot in front of the other. Um, And that follows a report that they did the previous month on cycling and trends there and people taking to the streets, you know, if, if they can pedal. And I think maybe part of that is because of the growing popularity of e-bikes. But uh, Emily, talk about your methodology first. How do you figure out who's walking and and where? Yeah, so at a high level, um, and we have a we use location-based services data, anonymized, um, and then as well as some survey survey data, census data, real-world counters out out um, that cities and localities have put out, um, and we want to run it through our root science engine um, to get a um, an overarching picture of what's going on in each of the census tracts as far as walking and biking. And there's, you know, a lot more detail to how that all works. We have a white paper. If folks want to take a look, sort of like underscoring our methodology and validation, we have one for walking and one for biking as well as mode share. Um, So you can take a look at that. But at a high level, this is big data accrued through a lot of different sources, anonymized and then uh, validated rigorously against um, permanent counters. So. I guess maybe I should have started with this. You're a San Francisco-based organization. Um, why do you guys do what you do? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, so, I mean, the fundamental premise of Streetlight is um, data for better transportation decisions. So, um, you know, you're at a DOT. I'm, I'm sure you're very familiar with the idea that um, there are gaps in sort of how transportation data has traditionally been collected, um, right? We can't put a, a tube out on every road for all time, um, right. for all modes, let alone for all modes. Um, and so uh, when our, our CEO, Laura, founded the company, um, the idea was if we can use big data um, to rigorously understand uh, transportation patterns at a much uh, wider scope level geographically and temporally, as well as across modes, we can give transportation agencies much better information for how they make those transportation decisions. And we can also, um, and this I think is really comes, this is the sort of the, hopefully what people get out of the walking and biking report, historically walking and biking data is so hard to come by. And so that results in pedestrians and bikers sort of not being sometimes included in transportation decisions. And so that's really the underlying premise of Streetlight. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So talk about the pedestrian report and I guess give me the, you know, the summary, the the high level uh, conclusions from the data. Yeah, so we saw this um, pretty dramatic, just quite significant um, decline in walking activity. And we saw that at the national level, 
by about 36% over the course of three years, 2019 through 2022. And then even as we dug into specific metros, the top 100 metros by population and all the continuous, the continental U.S., um, we saw declines across all of those. So um, the declines sort of ranged. Um, I think the smallest was around negative 20, 23%, and the largest was closer to negative 50%, but the decline was universal. Um, and the other thing that we saw that I think was really interesting is that, and um, as we look at places that sort of declined the least or places where we're starting to see a little bit more of a bounce back in 20, between 2021 through 2022, um, there's a concentration in warmer weather areas, um, places with better weather. And I think this kind of speaks to, you know, what's happening here is that the posit is that what's going on is that remote work is at least part of the a big part of the potential cause of this slowdown in walking of this decline in walking and so walking if it's no longer as much of a mode of utility right it's not how we get to work a place we have to be then it's more of a of a of a source of recreation um which is you know great for you know it's good for walking to be part of of recreation right we want people to be healthier and, and walking but um, you know, I think when we think about like sort of climate and safety and equity and all these other things, pulling walking down from the mix has sort of negative negative consequences. But yeah, so I think that yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say I'm I'm surprised at at that remote work. I can see why it's made a difference in terms of if walking is part of your commute. But you'd also think that a lot of people would just want to get out and take that break and go for a walk during the day. And then there's yeah, all the you people know, that got pandemic puppies. I was going to say, and pandemic, don't forget about the pandemic puppies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, I again, like with this idea of utility versus recreation, I don't think we generally uh, we engage in things for for recreation with quite the same commitment or consistency, let's say, as something that we have to do. Yeah, that makes sense. That's not part yeah. of your your regimen. You just don't right, do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if every day I plan to take an afternoon walk, maybe I take that afternoon walk two to three times a day. Can you talk about what you saw in terms of different cities across the country and, you know, who I mean, New York, no surprise, uh, rates rates highest because you almost can't live in most of the boroughs, especially Manhattan, without planning mm -hmm. to walk. Even if you take the subway every day, there's going to be walking right. involved. So absolutely, you know, this is a, we we looked specifically at metros. So it's the city. It's not just the city proper. It's the it's also the underlying suburbs. So I think we will in the future take a look at suburbs versus downtowns to see, um, you know, if we if we find some differences there in terms of what's driving decline versus where things are coming back. But, you know, the it was the, the geographic distribution is interesting. It's like, you know, it, New York, a lot of places had significant declines. Our biggest cities had significant declines. L.A. also declined. New York, they um, but L.A., for example, uh, warm weather location did see the biggest bounce back in 2021 to 2022. Um, the up the Midwest um, and some of the South, I would say, saw some of the bigger declines. Um, but like the South with this warm weather um, phenomenon, you know, like some places in Florida actually saw smaller declines than we saw in New York, for example. Sure. So it what it doesn't quite as I think the our biking data I think a little bit more closely tracks to sort of like oh walkable extra super walkable place uh, high transit use like you know X happened whereas here there's also this um this this weather element to what's going on. In, yeah, in, in, as I as I read the data. 
And it, 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 yeah, I would think it would be measured too. Um, and maybe this did show up in your biking data and not as much, although uh, Michigan's been very aggressive about um, trails and mm -hmm. building trails, you know, converting rails to trails like a lot of states, but especially yep. in northern Michigan, uh, where a lot of tourists are attracted already and it's it's beautiful and, and people like to be out in the woods. Mm -hmm. And I was hopeful that that was going to lead to, you know, certainly more cycling, but also just walking trips. I, the trails I'm on, even when yeah. I'm riding, I see a lot of people walking. So Michigan did see an increase in biking for sure. And I think the thing about biking um, is that biking just has a much smaller base to draw from. Um, so, you know, it, a lot of people started biking for the first time during the pandemic and, and it's very cool it, that has held. So what we found is that um, biking momentum um, didn't fall off. Right. So although the growth slowed, um, we didn't see a, a decline um, sure. after that initial bump. I think with walking, um, like, you know, this again, this goes back to this idea of recreation versus utility. Um, walking is a part of everyone's life already. Right. So it's just a matter of, you know, how much did uh, the recreation pull offset the like utility decline, I think. And I think in that case, um, it's, uh, you know, the, the loss of utility kind of wins out. Yeah, I, I'm, I think one thing that struck out at me was uh, that uh, the bullet points in the Axios story about the report pointed out that Portland, Oregon, Boise, Idaho, and Ogden, Utah are tied for last place at just 220 trips per thousand people. I think of Portland as a new urbanist paradise, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of advocacy for walkable communities and those things. So, I mean, and, and you live in a walkable area. I do, yeah. And and I think that again, we're looking at growth numbers, right? If we're talking about Portland, for example, like they do rank pretty high for biking activity per capita, even still, even though their biking activity actually declined over the course of those three years. So it's really a, you know, the, a function, growth is largely a function of where you started, where right? You started, so, right, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so that's why the per capita data can be really helpful for really putting in context of like, okay, how big is this mode in this city really? Yeah. So you guys talk about it in terms of active transportation, which I think is a really is a really good term. Could you talk about what that means? Sure. Yeah. So um, we think of walking and biking as sort of making up the majority of the active transportation mix. We do we do include e-biking and scooters in that in that mix. Um, we break out walking and biking separately. But the reason that we sort of when we think about mode share, we want to be able to see those pulled out from vehicles. Uh, because obviously active transportation, it's a very different kind of transportation. Um, it's economical. It's uh, it doesn't produce any em emissions or minimal emissions. If we're talking about e-bikes, it has, you know, positive public health benefits. And it also, like we've said, um, does not get measured nearly to the degree that uh, vehicle activity gets measured. Um, so that's why we pull active transportation out. We we have walking and biking numbers separately because, of course, the needs of walk walkers and bikers are different. But in the end, like a lot of times, the infrastructure that supports biking also supports walking and also makes streets safer. Um, so I think it's useful to have those um, to be able to look at them together and to look at how that mix is shifting together, as well as pull them apart for specific safety and other planning use cases. Yeah, I just I think it's most disappointing because we know where the United States has been um, in terms of you know international rankings for obesity and other right. related health problems for for 
decades, if not centuries. <laughs> um, yeah, we, the, the public health Europe, element of it is um, is disconcerting for sure. Yeah, and is that is that part of what drives you know you and your colleagues uh, in this effort? Um, I think you know a lot of folks at Streetlight have backgrounds in transportation themselves and are are really interested in sort of bringing the, you know, most cutting edge, most um, sort of comprehensive data to transportation agencies to help them make these sort of more, like we think about it as more holistic. So, and I think that those holistic decisions tend to benefit those big thematic um, positive changes, right? Public health, climate, safety, et cetera. It all sort of seems to work together. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, You know, it's also part of, uh, you talked about downtown recovery and, uh, Mm -hmm downtowns where commercial real estate is not bounced back the way that the certainly the people who are involved in commercial real estate had hoped it would. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, do you have any, I mean, not that you guys traffic in crystal balls, but do you have any reason to to be more optimistic about the future and, and where things are going? Um, well, we don't traffic in crystal balls to your point, but um, I, you know, I did, we did in the report highlight sort of the numbers in the most recent full year because there were some signs of positive bounce back there. We did see some places start to see increases again in walking activity. I also think like the hope is that like sort of shining this light and providing this data gives localities what they need to sort of make these investments to draw these numbers back up. And in addition, you know, we, of course, also have this the Build Back Better bill and, and various infrastructure investments that are ongoing. If those funds can be can be sort of paired with the, you know, information on where is this happening? Where is it not happening? What do we need to do to um, pull this in the other direction in the case of walking or support biking in the case of biking? You know, we are at a historic moment in terms of the funds available for infrastructure. So I think those things are all to the to the good. Yeah, and we've got an administration in Washington and a, and a Secretary of Transportation and Pete Buttigieg, who's very committed to these kinds of things and connecting communities. So Yeah, absolutely. And I think we see a lot of those grants really supporting things like safety and public health and reconnecting to communities, to your point, multimodal planning, et cetera. Yeah. So, okay, maybe there's some some seeds of hope there. I guess I uh, I thought by now, going back to President Kennedy and a you know a national focus on fitness and uh, you know the it was kind of mocked but the fifty mile hike thing that um, <laughs> we'd be further along now you know yeah well I I guess um, you know it's all part of sort of a, a holistic vision of uh, of a place right so it's like goes to land use and transit and you know making sure that places are built in a way that's walkable so that you know people have reason to choose to walk over getting in their car please stay tuned. We'll be back with more Talking Michigan Transportation right after this. If you're enjoying today's Talking Michigan Transportation podcast and would like to learn more about some of the exciting innovations going on at the Michigan Department of Transportation, check out the MDOT YouTube channel for videos featuring project updates, safety initiatives, and program highlights. Go to youtube.com slash Michigan DOT and subscribe. What are you guys looking at next? You've done now that you've done bicycling and uh, walking. Um, so I I think we will in the next month or two take a closer look at sort of look at a few uh, metros and maybe a look at what are the trends between um, suburban areas versus uh, downtowns in terms of walking and biking. That's something I think we really want to understand better. 
Also, you know, looking at how VMT, you know, we do measure uh, vehicles miles traveled as well. So we'll be looking, we'll be looking at what's happening um, on the ground in terms of changes in vehicles miles traveled. Um, we're always sort of using our data to try to highlight like new and interesting and uh, trends that could that you know people are will benefit people's planning and sort of thinking about um, how infrastructure is developing at the you know again our clients are you know doing running all kinds of analyses all the time for very specific use cases but in our research in our content we're, we're sort of trying to highlight those big national trends that can kind of shine a light more broadly does your data also pick up on the speeds that people are traveling? We do. We have, um, yeah, our speed data. I, I would. We we published a few months ago something called our Safe Speed Index, where we actually took our pedestrian data to identify roadways that have high pedestrian exposure, and then um, looked at those, looked at the distribution of speeds on those on those roadways to understand sort of a ranking of cities by who has the safest speeds for pedestrians. So that was a really interesting analysis, and we focused there not on speed limit but on what are the actual speeds that cars are going and what kind of risk does it pose to pedestrians? Uh, and sorry, and I was just going to, sorry, no, go ahead. No, you finish up. Oh, I was just going to, your, your prior question, I realized you were asking, you know, what else we're working on. The other thing um, I'm focused on right now is um, greenhouse. We we have some, we've done some work on greenhouse gas emissions. So we're going to be um, highlighting that in an, up, in an upcoming presentation, um, sort of how you can use our data uh, to measure greenhouse gas emissions more effectively from transportation. So that's something we're really excited about. Good. I'm very interested in that too. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is that it seems like the, the when you talk about cities and the speeds in the cities, I mean, most of what I've delved into with our state police here, um, beginning with the pandemic and, you know, fewer cars on the road and speeds uh, were crazy. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people mm-hmm. quit wearing seatbelts and there was just a lot of reckless behavior. Yep. And even though even though there weren't as many people driving, there were more serious crashes and more people being killed. And it only stands to reason that even in cities that have been aggressive about, you know, pinch points and traffic calming devices, that if people are going faster and taking more chances that, you know, everybody's at risk. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think it's pretty clear from lots of different data that's out there that speed is one of the biggest risk factors for anyone in a car and anyone outside of a car. Um, So that's definitely that is data that we are, um, you know, very like that. That's very important in our data mix. And we we highlight it a lot in our our safety planning tools because um, it is such a critical piece of the safety mix. Yeah, well, I'm really interested in your work. So uh, thank you for taking time to to talk about it. For sure. Thanks for reaching out. Um, it was great I'd like to, to chat thank with you. you once more for tuning in to Talking Michigan Transportation. You can find show notes and more on Apple Podcasts or Buzzsprout. I also want to acknowledge the talented people who help make this a reality each week, starting with Randy Debler, who skillfully edits the audio, Jesse Ball, who proofs the content, Courtney Bates, who posts the podcast to various platforms, and Jackie Salinas, who transcribes the audio to make it accessible to all. 